the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Off. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista, I'm Ian Collins. This is episode 20 as we preen our environmental whiskers and delve headfirst into the issues that are dominating the news agenda at a breathtaking speed. Politicians should always beware. We discuss the very things, of course, they should be prioritising. If you're unfamiliar with the territory here, here's an explainer. The series is essentially about the views, campaigns, inner thoughts of one man. Dale Vince, the entrepreneur and environmentalist, built his success in the green energy sector. He's the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company, and he also happens to be the chairman of Forest Green Rovers. In each episode, of course, we bring you the dominating issues from the biggest agenda on the planet right now, that is environment and climate change. And I guess, Dale, we should start before we delve into it. We've got questions on this already. Um, with the book, the book you've been sweating over for, what, the last year or so. A month. Um, yeah, a, a month. Okay. A month, yeah. <laughs> I, I was adding some what I thought was creative hyperbole there. But nonetheless, <laughs> sweat has occurred in the process. Um, and the final full stop has been done. Yep. Yesterday, well, it's not quite the final full stop, but uh, yeah, we finished, we edited the manuscript, and uh, yeah, it's been a really intense month. Maybe, you know, some days six or eight hours uh, a day yeah. slaving away at a keyboard, but yeah. I really enjoyed it because apart from getting to tell my story, which uh, I'd, I'd kind of been meaning to do for a while, I got to write the manifesto. This is the the end part of the book, the kind of uh, the plan for how we get to zero carbon. And you know, we've we've had one for a while, and we've been kind of talking about it. Uh, yeah every now and then but to have it reduced to paper was firstly a good discipline because it, it made me test a lot of the assumptions that we held and that kind of stuff you know it made it more more formal more robust but also having it reduced to paper means it's much easier to share now indeed and the book is called manifesto it's called manifesto Fantastic. yes it's called manifesto yeah. and which is a great title of course you see that on the shelf winking at you you think well I've got to find out what the manifesto is. I mean, it's a walking publicity tool in itself. So, And that'll be out before Christmas. Yeah, I think publication date is in November. And I think it's out on pre-sale at the moment. We're going to stick it up on our own website soon sure. uh, on pre-sale. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty excited. Yeah, you should be too. Chris on Twitter said, if I buy your book for a Christmas present, will you <laughs> sign it for me? Yeah, I will. I will. Uh, and I think, um, you know, we, we're going to... Like I say, stick it up on our own shop soon, maybe a yep. week or two, and uh, and I reckon that way I can sign anybody's uh, that that wants it uh, sure. you know, through through that channel. It might be a little bit organised, uh, difficult to organise otherwise, but uh, yep. if we can run it through our own club shop, like uh, the the Forest Green uh, Club Shop. Yeah, of course, of course. Good work. Um, let's start with this story. Scientists appear to be getting closer to the. Uh, the clearer answers on damage to climate. And, and one of the reasons I think this is a great story, of course, is because, and we'll come on to a detractor in a second from this uh, this debate, but uh, there's a lot of science out there and there's a lot of data. And if you're kind of new to this area and this territory, you, you often get blinded by numbers and it's quite hard to look at what is going, you know, is there more damage there? Has temperatures got worse? Better? What, what is going on? This seems to be a more of a clearer picture that we're talking about here. Yeah, 
It's actually a narrowing of the range. So since about 1979, I think it is, the the measure of climate sensitivity has been to suggest that the, the temperature range that we could experience is between one and a half degrees and four and a half degrees. And that's a really big variation. And that hasn't changed since 1979. And the one and a half degrees is kind of pretty mild outcome, relatively mild outcome. And the four and a half degrees is like uh, disastrous. And the problem with this range is, apart from being really big, is that it offers something for everybody. Uh, sure. People that are skeptical about the climate can say, well, look, it, it could only be one and a half and, and vice versa, it could be four and a half. So they've narrowed that now to, I think, just over two and just below four, um, which may not sound like a lot, but it's a 66% narrowing of the possible range of outcomes. But basically, yeah. they've ruled out the best outcome, one and a half degrees, and the worst outcome, four and a half degrees, and is really useful. Indeed. Well, it's interesting. I mentioned detractors. I mean, let's talk about this man, Michael Schellenberger. I, I'd never heard of Schellenberger, and then I interviewed him this week, strangely. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I, I genuinely, I honestly didn't know what to make of this man, because uh, this was, a, as far as I can understand, he was an environmentalist. He was protesting, advancing arguments. And now he hasn't so much refined some of his arguments. This is, I mean, a full, this is a full-blown reverse ferret going on here. What are you making of this? Yeah, I only found out about him yesterday. Somebody sent me a link to a story in the Daily Mail. I think he just put out a book and he's made a, a bunch of outrageous claims in this book about how, you know, eating meat isn't bad for the environment. And, you know, basically a lot of counterfactual, counterclimate change stuff is quite incredible. But it turns out he's got a bit of a history of this kind of stuff, anti-science counterfactual uh, stuff. Uh, he's been doing it for a while. Uh, there are uh, suggestions on on social media these funded by the nuclear industry and some other uh, other bodies i don't know if they're true but the stuff he says just doesn't make any sense i mean and there's no there's no science behind it you know this this is not a, a book that's got sources uh, that can point you to where he's getting yeah. his facts from because they aren't facts i mean sometimes when i interview someone and i, I think if i'm on unfamiliar territory then I, I i'm reserved and I, w I will listen to them but i was on sort of slightly familiar territory with this and he started talking about you know scientists now think and i, I said well what scientists <laughs> uh, and of course that was uh, i said tell me who the scientists are I said, because i i interview these people for a living i, I talked to I, obviously people like yourself dale but you know that the world of science is yeah. almost unanimous on this i mean there's, yeah. there are one or two stragglers at the back as we know and he was really unable to provide any kind of evidence as to who these mysterious shady scientists are that detract from the 99.9 percent .9 of the science world that have a very different view yeah that's interesting he was probably thinking of donald trump that's what it was that's what it was well yeah. we'll come on to him in a second because we've got a, an absolute beauty um here's a question from jack on facebook do you see you can now get carbon neutral petrol in the uk is that a good thing or the wrong message <laughs> i think it's a crime actually What's, i've never even heard of this what's happening one of the big oil companies i'm not sure if, uh, which one it is has begun to carbon offset the impact of the fuel that it sells in garage forecourts it's a terrible thing to do because you know it gives people the idea that it's it's fine to chug around in uh, internal combustion engine cars and it's all taken care of because it's been carbon neutralized the 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 extent to which we can carbon offset anything is very limited most yeah it's always been a curious area that hasn't it you know i can yeah. pollute what i like but i'll plant some trees yeah, well, the problem is that these schemes take place in parts of the world, uh, developing countries and economies who, who between them have only about 5% of the total carbon footprint of the world. So even if we carbon offset 
them completely, we've only taken 5% of uh, our emissions out of play. So it's not actually a long-term uh, scalable solution. And it's not even a bridge to anywhere because carbon neutralizing petrol is a bridge to nowhere. So yeah. no, I, think it's, I think it's a crime. Yeah, I mean, you, you could, I suppose... If you owned an airline and a petrol station, you could say, I'm going carbon, I'm selling this as carbon neutral petrol, but I'm going to stop flying my planes. You could kind of see that and go, okay, I see what he's doing there. I don't agree, but I know what he's doing. But this business of just planting some shrubs in a faraway land, as you say, doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. It's, it's not an answer. That's the problem with it. Yeah. It's going to confuse people. It's going to distract people and, and put off the real actions that we need to take. Uh, let's go to Northern Ireland for this story. There's something of the Schellenberger about this. Northern Irish environmental officials reject climate crisis and climate emergency as terminology. I saw what, that. What, why would they do that? I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. Um, I mean, I think Northern Ireland's a little bit behind the curve on some issues, isn't it? As we've seen, you know, it's detached from the UK in terms of laws on abortion and stuff like that and attitudes, cultural yeah. attitudes. But but to reject the notion that there is a climate crisis and, and climate emergency, it's, it's, pretty, it's just bonkers. Yeah, this was uh, Edwin Poots said, officials in my department do not believe that uh, this is appropriate language. And again, you have to, I mean, who are his officials? Who are these people? It comes back to that interview I did with Métis in the week. I, don't, I have no idea where they get this from. How you would decide in an office somewhere in a Northern Ireland bureaucracy that uh, the term climate crisis no longer is relevant. Uh, well, appropriate is what he said. And I mean, what does he mean by that? How is it not appropriate? Uh, do they think it's an exaggeration, for example? Well, yeah, he says, he says the language is something my department do not accept. So leaving myself to oh. one side, the officials in my department do not believe this is appropriate language. Uh, there is, of course, work to be done. They don't accept of... the language or don't accept the issue. You've got to wonder. Yeah, well, one kind of feeds into the other, you have to assume, yeah. in their world. So, yeah, uh, Here's a question from Trudy on Facebook. Recently converted vegan. Loved your cheese replacements on the recent show. Uh, do you and Mrs. Vince have any barbecue suggestions? Yeah, what goes on in a Dale Vince barbecue? That's what we want to know. Well, look, first, I'm really pleased that the cheese suggestions were helpful. When it comes to Barbies, I'm the Barbie Deba of the household, of the family, actually. Is that right? Um, of absolutely. the Western world, some say. No, no, no just the family. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have this huge circular fire pit that, yeah. uh, that I like to fill up with wood and, and burn down to charcoal. I prefer, uh, not to charcoal, but to embers. I, I prefer to do it on uh, wood. I think it's a hippie thing. I used to do it on the road. And um, my secret sauce, as it were, for a barbecue is really, really simple, is, is olive oil and soy sauce. Yeah. Olive oil and soy sauce. Soy sauce um, is king, yes. Uh, and just like, you know, brush vegetables with olive oil and soy sauce. Oh, my God. They, they're fantastic. Everybody raves about them. So that'd be my, uh, my top tip for a barbecue. I vegetables, went, olive oil and soy sauce. I went to a barbecue the other day and there was a Texan guy uh, who was one of the ones doing the barbecue. And you might think that he was just sort of throwing buffaloes or something onto this uh, <laughs> barbecue. In fact, uh, what he produced was the most extraordinary veggie arrangement which included texas I th actually i think he said it was alabama as an alabama recipe for potato salad and it was something that i have no idea what he'd i'm going to get the recipe off this guy um but yeah you, you know you start throwing good spices in and just being a little adventurous then you, you can change the whole tone of a salad huh but but you don't barbecue it you don't barbecue it. You just have it alongside whatever gotcha. it is you're cooking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah gotcha. And what would you what would you cook? Um, would you cook a me? Um, <laughs> would you cook a veggie burger, as in 
vegetable burger or a veggie burger as in a burger that's kind of replicating meat? Well, I'm not a fan of meat replicating burgers, but there, there's a middle ground. You know, the, the old school vegetable burger that you used to get from Bird's Eye or something like that, where you can see the bits of vegetable. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of those at all. But there's middle ground. It doesn't mimic meat, but it is uh, just really tasty vegetables. So, I mean, a burgers and sausages made of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think one vegetables, though, I'm just such a fan. Corn on the cob on a barbecue is amazing. Oh, man alive, and, yeah. You're you know, absolutely Big right. mushrooms, asparagus, that kind of stuff, peppers. Yeah. Uh, I just love that kind of stuff. And it's interesting. I think we talked about this before, but when you go back to thinking of those that you know eat meat and you look at, if you know, when you bite into a, I don't know, a McDonald's burger or something, the first thing ultimately you're tasting is sugar and then salt and somewhere in there there is a a a company's idea of what beef tastes like so it's kind of a the the whole thing is a little bit smoke and mirrors anyway so when it's replicated or a, a vegetarian version is found then i don't think you're missing out particularly in in any big way no, I think it's one of the problems that, that we face. Processed food is full of sugar, salt, and fat. I mean, uh, incredibly high amounts, which really yeah. uh, drown out our taste buds. But uh, burgers in particular, cow burgers, uh, have got a lot of saturated fat. And the people that are mimicking them the most, that are really trying to uh, you know, fake the meat, have got the same levels of saturated fat. Yeah. And and that that's just silly to me, you know. And and as you know, it's quite rightly been pointed out by people that these burgers aren't actually that more healthy for you, they are for the planet, uh, sure. than than a cow burger is. Indeed, <laughs> so, indeed. Fair point. Uh, let's move to our friend across the pond. This is Donald Trump talking about his memory test. This is a beauty. I said to the doctor, it was Dr. Ronnie Jackson. I said, is there some kind of a test, an acuity test? And he said there actually is, and he named it whatever it might be. And it was 30 or 35 questions. The first questions are very easy. The last questions are much more difficult, uh, like a memory question. It's uh, like you'll go person, woman, man, camera, TV. So they say, could you repeat that? So I said, yeah. So it's person, woman, man, camera, TV. Okay, that's very good. But then when you go back about 20, 25 minutes later and they say, go back to that question. They don't tell you this. Go back to that question and repeat them. Can you do it? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. They say, that's amazing. How did you do that? I do it because I have like a good memory because I'm cognitively there. So there it is, Dale. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. Could you have remembered those? I mean, that's we've got a genius right there. It's incredible. But I read this morning in the newspaper that those are not the words of the test. <laughs> he just made them up. <laughs> he just made them up. So he'd forgotten them already. Person, uh, woman, man, camera, TV. Yeah, the, the actual words of the test are much more diverse than that. They don't string together like cameraman TV, which is yeah, pretty yeah. easy, you know what I'm saying? The Indeed. actual words are very different. It's been published. It's online somewhere. He's obviously got no kind of um, no sense of how uh, of how he comes across because to keep going on about how smart he is and how he's aced these these uh, dumb tests, it's just it's just incredible. But he's got I mean, no the... sense of it. The, the 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 kind of these little snippets that we play. Uh, I, I mean, I've, I've seen a couple of emails from people saying, you know, that, uh, are, are they fake? Because you th- <laughs> think yeah. sure, that's not really the president, is it? I mean, it's kind of beyond <laughs> yeah. partridge. It's beyond parody. 
my son is the same. He's 12 years old, and we walk out across the common kind of every, most evenings, yeah. and we chat about stuff like this. And he's like, are you serious? When I first told him some of this stuff, he's like, yeah. no, that's not happening. Yeah. And, and now we go out for a walk, and he's like, well, what's, what's Donald Trump done today? Yeah, there's, there's one a day. This is better than any Netflix show, uh, believe me. Uh, another one here, just to finish on in terms of stories, uh, Shell and Total, we were talking about oil companies a little earlier, um, still spending 90% on fossil fuels. They've, of course, got make huge claims about going green. Clearly isn't happening. Yeah, it's not happening enough, is it? And um, it might have been Shell that are doing the carbon neutral petrol, I'm not really sure. But, you know, the big problem we have with uh, the world of business, particularly the world of big oil, is that uh, they aren't doing enough. They're talking a good game, but... They, they want to transition over the next 30 years. That's the real problem, out to yeah. 2050. Same as our government. We don't have 30 years to do that. They just need to be faster. And at least they get it now. At least they're not kind of uh, in the denial camp in terms yeah, of true. you know saying they don't have to do anything. So I take that as a positive. We just need to get them to speed it up. They've got to leave behind, though, vast wealth, haven't they? BP wrote off... Yeah. Oh, God knows. I mean, it was billions and billions of pounds just a couple of weeks ago. They revalued their reserves because of the future price of oil, which looks mm. like it'll be depressed post the virus. Yeah. And um, this is what these guys have to leave behind, all this wealth, all this value to them. Um, and it's hard for them. I get that. But yeah. they have to. Indeed. Uh, final question. This is a be- This is the best question of the series so far, I have to say, from Alex <laughs> on Twitter. Dale, is it true that you own your own helicopter? Please, t- please tell me it isn't. I think I could answer that, but give it a go anyway, Dan. It's a funny thing because it's something that comes up every now and then. Uh, I haven't heard this one for a little while, but it's a recurring, it's a recurring myth that I have a helicopter. I don't. Um, I never have had. But yeah, and it's so funny. It's you know, it's a myth. I don't know where you live, Alex, but it's a myth that I've heard repeated around Stroud, where I live, a few times. Yeah. Um, yeah. When they go Is electric, it... maybe in a kind of Brave New World type way, we'll be all flying around in our little, you know, own pods. Well, they look super cool. Uh, you know, those little people carrying yeah, kind of, you know, uh, yeah. bigged up drones. I'm a fan. Um, <laughs> Dale, that's it for this episode. We will speak wow. on the next one. That flew by. Indeed it did. Uh, don't forget, of course, you can subscribe for free to this podcast via your podcast provider so you get each new episode automatically. Uh, do make sure you leave a review there as well. Really important bit. Make sure you follow Dale on social media as well. Twitter.com slash Dale Vince. Facebook.com slash Dale Vince. Zero. Carbon. East off.